0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fellowship Greenville Student Ministry Podcast. We are taking a break from our James series this week for a very special Halloween edition where we focus on demons, darkness, evil, and the agenda of Satan himself. Follow along as we explore these concepts in the Bible and answer live questions from our students. We hope you enjoy this message. How are you guys doing? Awesome. Yeah, Dang. well, we are here tonight um, on Halloween Eve. The Eve of and spooky time. And I'm told time. I'm told things happen. And just on the Eve I'm of told, Halloween, yeah, like spooky things. I'm told things happen. Yeah. I've seen it. In so, movies. Um, so we've been advertising this night in a few different ways, uh, but we thought it could be cool. We've been going through the Book of James for weeks. We thought it could be cool. On um, last year, Halloween fell on a Sunday. This chair really swivels, like, with the slightest touch. I'm like, wow, now I'm, like, just facing everyone. (laughs) Uh, We thought, um, since uh, Halloween fell on a Monday this year, Mm -hmm. why don't we have programming and why don't we do something, like, Halloween-themed, and why don't we just go down the road of, like, darkness, spookiness, evilness, uh, satanic stuff. Fun stuff. stuff. Yeah, satanic stuff. Uh, Answer questions we've always had. Yeah, like, why not? Let's just... Why not? Let's just open the can. Yeah, I can't get my chair. I'm not sure what <laughs> like, to do. <laughs> I'm like bouncing up and down. Uh, why not just like go there and go uh, there. talk all things witchcraft and voodoo and whatever else we, we might explore tonight. So you guys are front row into like um, talking through some of the biblical concepts of darkness, evil, um, demons, Satan. But then how that branches out into cultural like themes, words. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how it shows up in Hollywood, mm-hmm. how it shows up in entertainment, how it shows up in fun. Um, I, forgot, I forgot to send a, a picture to Scott, uh, and that's my bad, but I had this picture that I took. You were with me at the Halloween store. Yeah. We saw a t shirt. We did see a t shirt. We saw a t shirt. We and saw it, Lowry there. Yeah, we saw Lowry there. <laughs> and the t shirt had a bunch of kids, like children, standing around and a pentagram drawn on the floor. And it there was, was a dude laying on the pentagram light. You know, like yeah. light as a feather, stiff as a board, yes, like laying exactly. there. And the title of the T-shirt said, um, "Children's activities: Let's summon some demons or something like that." And I was like, "Dang, it made dude!" It really like, light of <laughs> <something> <laughs> really dark. I wouldn't play around. But um, but they had like little children doing it, and and I meant to send in that because it was it was like a you know, this is how it's shown up as entertaining yeah. in our culture and, and just kind of lighthearted jokes at a, on a t-shirt, let's print it on some cotton and wear it. So anyway, <laughs> we're gonna explore those roads, but first, this is how tonight's gonna go. I have some preset question and answers um, that I've created uh, based on things that I'm asked very often by students, mm-hmm. but we're not limited, we don't have to stay there. So here's, the first thing I wanna show you is Morgan's- Well, we
1: changed it, Oh, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, my you bad. here. Hey, you, we have a you, QR code. Oh, no way, We're dude. even more legit. They don't get my you, phone number. I, I don't want show to show you Morgan's
0: QR code. <laughs> that's my QR yeah, code. Yes, Morgan's <laughs> QR code. And uh, so, Morgan, since we changed it, you explained yes. it to me or explained it to You can scan this
1: QR code and it will be on the other sides for the rest of the evening as well. Um, and it's a Google Sheet form, so you can fill in with your question. So it'll pop up here on my phone um, and I'll see him roll in as the night goes.
0: Yeah. So if you. Have any questions, or if you've ever wondered anything about um, demonic stuff, darkness, evil, Satan, you know, uh, whatever, ghosts, aliens, conspiracy <laughs> theories, flat earth, lizard people, whatever you guys, I mean, honestly, man, you 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 send the question, we're not guaranteed to talk about it. Morgan may read one and be like, <laughs> nah, <laughs> nah, fam, we're going to skip that. But uh, yeah. if we get some good ones rolling, then we will deviate from some of the slides that yeah. I've sent. and and go down those. Does yeah. that sound good? It's good. Does that sound good. So guys, I think it's anonymous too. I want to it say that. It is anonymous. It's anonymous. Yes.
1: I don't know so who sent this in. So, feel
0: free to send ask it. If you've wondered something and you're like your whole life. I'm so embarrassed, I don't want to I, I don't, don't want my name you. attached to this weird question. This is anonymous. Feel free to send it. We don't know who's asking, but it may be a better question than you think. Mm-hmm. So, is that fair? Is that good? All right, and this is open throughout the whole course of the night. It not is. just right now. So yes. if we're talking about something, yes, something that sparks something exactly. in your mind, and you're like, ooh, go ahead and send it, and Morgan will keep checking it. Yep. All right, but let's go ahead and start with the first uh, question I submitted um, because I think <laughs> someone just – iPhones <laughs> they text iPhone's blowing up. Oh. <laughs> with shenanigans, people <laughs> saying, oh, I have your us um, Let's, we'll let's start source. here because if we don't understand this – foundational idea. Anything else doesn't Mm -hmm. really fit into the context of anything. It just kind of floats around. Mm -hmm. So what is the big picture of the Bible? When we think about this book, when we think about Genesis to Revelation, what is the big picture? Because if we can answer this, then then we have a better understanding of like demons and demonic activity and who is the Satan and And why is he so evil, and why does he hate us so much, and why does he hate God so much, and what is God doing about evil, and why did God allow evil in the first place, and did God create evil, or did he create the margin for evil to occur within his creation, and all sorts of questions. So this is the foundational question. If you guys remember our series, When Heaven and Earth Collide, thank you, thank you, five of you. So good. Thank you. Thank you. This, remember I had the fancy screen, and you guys made fun of my handwriting every single week. Every single week, and I had to go home and like readjust my my heart um, with encouragement from my wife because you guys obliterated it by making fun of my handwriting. Um, So if you guys remember that series, this is the foundational picture of the Bible. The main focal point of the Bible is not, hey, I better believe the right thing so that when I die, I go to the right place. That's not the main focus of the Bible. I'm not saying that's not in there. I'm just saying that is not the spearhead. That's not the thrust or the emphasis of what the biblical authors want you to know. So if the way that you think about your faith or if the way you think about the Bible is, man, I better know the right things, believe the right things, have the right answers because one day when I die, I really want to go to heaven. Um, and they made a whole show about this called The Good Place, uh, mm-hmm. which is pretty funny in it's irony. Um, and so, so it's in there, but it's not the main thing. The main idea is that What God had created was disrupted and corrupted, and then God set a plan in motion to redeem his original creation, or the idea of it, and then to remake it uh, and bring all of his children there. That's kind of like the big picture of the Bible. And so when we did the Heaven and Earth Collide series, I talked about realms. I'm going to do that quickly tonight. So in Genesis chapter 1, God creates heaven on earth, all right? So this is like The earth, everything we know, but it's really, really good. Like there's no sin in it whatsoever. And there's four categories of relationships that are in perfect harmony, perfect functioning harmony in God's creation. Our relationship with our creator, our relationship with each other, our relationship with creation itself, and our relationship with ourselves. Those four relationships are in perfect harmony in the beginning. Genesis chapter one, we were never intended to die, all right? So when God created everything, it was heaven on earth. We were in the realm, in the space with God. It was a spiritual and physical place. Adam and Eve were there in perfect harmony with each other, with creation, with themselves, and with God. Probably looking around in the skies and seeing what we call angels, like celestial beings. Don't imagine little naked babies with tiny wings playing a harp. That's not the biblical idea of an angel. That's like Renaissance idea of an angel. But God had created everything perfectly heaven on earth, and we were intended to live with him forever. But unbeknownst to us, somewhere in the creation process, God made these very, very powerful being called, beings called angels. One of those angels, a very powerful angel named Lucifer, decided he did not want to submit to God's authority and wisdom, but would rather be God. And Lucifer launched, initiated and launched a spiritual rebellion in the heavenly places and convinced a good number of angels to rebel with him. You may ask, how many angels? We don't know. In the book of Revelation, John says he sees a third of the angels fall. Well, a third of how many? We don't know. The Bible says myriads and myriads and myriads of angels were created. We don't know how many that is, but a lot. So there's this rebellion happening in the spiritual realm. And God's like, nah, fam, I'm, I'm chief here. Like, I'm the boss. <laughs> like, this ain't going to work. And they are removed from the heavenly place or the, the area of God's throne. Now, in Genesis 3, only a couple of chapters later, we see this character come to the story, and he's not called Satan there, he's just called the serpent. Later, biblical authors say, oh, that was Satan. But the serpent comes along and tempts Adam and Eve to rebel against God, to join the rebellion that's already occurring. And in so doing, to reach out uh, and essentially grab power and be the ones who define and design what good and evil is instead of submitting to God's authority and wisdom. And so they give in to temptation. And in that moment, heaven on earth becomes heaven and earth, and the realms are now split. It's not how it was created to be. The realms are now split. You have this weird kind of complex uh, duality going on here where um, God and his holiness and the angels, and there's like inner councils of angels and, and different kinds of angels, but they are in the heavenly realm. And because of sin, these realms have now been split, and we are in this kind of other realm, this earthly realm. However, however, what the Bible talks about is these realms interacting with each other throughout history, and when Jesus comes onto the scene, the first declaration of his public ministry Matthew chapter 4 verse 17 Jesus says behold the kingdom of God is at hand or in other words this realm is at hand it's so close you could reach out and touch it Jesus is pointing to the fact that the realms are going to be overlapping again until the book of revelation when heaven and earth are fully in unison once again due to the sacrifice and redemption and work of Jesus Christ on the cross and the empty tomb so heaven On earth became heaven and earth. Jesus' mission, among many things, is to redeem and reconcile and create heaven on earth again and invite his children into this perfect eternal realm that we call heaven. But the Bible talks about it as these realms becoming unified yet again without any presence of evil because the Satan, the adversary, has once and for all been destroyed. So that's the big picture of the Bible. And it's important we understand that because Mm -hmm. everything that flows out of the work of demons or the work of Satan or whatever is part of this rebellion in what um, God originally intended. Does it make sense? Okay. It's good. Yeah? We're trying okay. yeah. Now, as part of this, real quick, as part of this, because sometimes we think, okay, what was like, what was Adam and Eve's, what was their point? What was the point of all this in the garden? Well, God desired to share himself. Uh, and in so doing, invited Adam and Eve to rule and rest with him forever. He gave them authority to rule and rest with him forever in the goodness that he created, to contribute to the goodness. And in God's creation, so this is like a little known factoid right here, but in God's creation, there was supposed to be some sort of, admittedly the scriptures not like Hey, let me just help you understand how all of this worked. Like, you've got to kind of piece together some things. But there was supposed to be some sort of partnership between humanity and angels in governing the earth. So, I want to pull up a Bible verse real quick. This is out of the book of Deuteronomy. This is Moses writing this, and Moses uh, is reflecting upon creation, and Moses writes this. When the Most High, that's God, gave the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. Now, you can read this really quick and totally miss it, but notice the difference in language when he talks about um, the Most High gave the nations the borders of the peoples. But then you have this weird phrase, sons of God, which doesn't sound like Humanity, that sounds like something a little different. In Hebrew, that phrase, sons of God, is oftentimes used to describe angelic beings, spiritual, powerful beings. And one of the things Moses is reflecting on is in God's good creation, when he created order and goodness out of the chaos and darkness that we see in Genesis 1, part of God's design was allotting territories to certain angels to help them govern along with humanity for the goodness of God's creation. Now, it stands to reason then that when the rebellion happened in the spiritual place, some of these allotted sons of God or some of these allotted angels joined this rebellion. And what we see instead is kind of this like behind-the-scenes Humanity is in power, but behind the scenes, there's like forces at work that manipulate and deceive and corrode and corrupt humans to do the bidding of evil. And one of the first examples we have of this is in Genesis 11, where this king uh, named Nimrod, um, which is a terrible name, but it's close to the Hebrew word for rebel. This is all very intentional. Uh, so that we can see what's happening. But but he decides he's going to build a kingdom in full disobedience to God. And, um, and, and, and so there's things happening in the spiritual realm that are influencing the world that we know. Because there's this realm that's like at work within the realm that we live in. And there's spiritual beings at work within our realm. We can't see them all the time, but they're there and they're at work. So you have this whole big picture going on of God's original intent... This rebellion happened, and now it's all being kind of messed up. Humans and spiritual beings um, kind of interacting together. Does that clear it up for you guys? <laughs> you know, like, clear as the water. I, I, what the, I just wanted to know if ghosts are real, bro. Like I, what is this? That's a great question. Yeah, okay.
1: There are lots of things like that uh-huh. coming in, and something that you had also put on here. So...
0: Yes, I did submit that question. One of my questions was... Are ghosts real? Are ghosts real? Is the earth flat? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, you see... Well... Most people think it's perspective, but actually, (laughs) if you have a telescope and zoom in on a ship on the horizon, you will be able to see. All right, here we go. So, are ghosts real? It's an interesting question. Let's go there. Mm -hmm. Have you guys ever wondered this? Mm-hmm. Have you guys ever seen a ghost? So, yes. Wow. Okay. I want to hear that story later.
1: I someone submitted. I saw a ghost. Was that real?
0: I want to hear that story. I do too. Um, you have some. Yeah, some. Yo, fam. Um, so here's the deal. It's a really great, great question. I think I think humanity is fascinated with uh, supernatural, paranormal. Mm-hmm. Anybody ever watched the show like uh, Paranormal Activity For sure. or like Ghost Hunters? I did. Ghost hunters? (laughs) Or the search for Bigfoot? Yeah. Bigfoot's out there, man. Keep your eyes open. He actually was at Epic two years ago. I don't know if you guys know (laughs) that. Yeah. So we've always been fascinated with, like, supernatural. Are spirits real? Do they manifest themselves? Do they mess with us? Um, Is it all a game? Like, what's the deal? So, honestly, uh, this is trickier than you might think, but also very... Simple in some ways. I think the concept of ghosts are real. All right. (laughs) And what I mean by that is when people say that they saw a ghost, like there was this person in my house dressed in like a Confederate Civil War uniform, you know, and I've heard that before. It's like, so just to be clear, a soldier from like a couple hundred years ago is just walking around your
1: Hanging a house, room. like
0: in between the drywall. He's <laughs> just, okay, like, sure. So I think the concept is real. Like, I don't think people are lying for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. However, uh, well, let me say this too. There's an interesting story in Mark chapter six, where this is where Jesus walks on water. You guys familiar with this story? It's one of the most famous stories in the whole uh, New Testament, where Jesus defies H2O and walks on water. The disciples have had a sleepless night, they're fatigued, they're exhausted, and Jesus is walking on the sea in the midst of a storm. The disciples are already kind of peaked in fear, and they see this figure out on the water. Now, we know, because Mark chapter 6 tells us the exact time that this happened, that it's between the hours of 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. So how are they able to see Jesus. Two logical answers. One, for whatever reason, Jesus is not only walking on water, but he decides to glow as well. Like in the middle of the night, they just see this thing out there that's glowing. I don't know. Another logical answer is it's a storm. Lightning is hitting. Hmm. Every now and then this thing's like lighting up. And they see this this figure out on the waves who would be culturally wearing a, a robe. It's kind of blowing. Like they see this white figure out there. And in the Bible, The disciples are terrified and they shout out, it's a ghost! So I bring that story up just to say that ghosts are not an American concept. It's not a new concept. This is a very ancient concept. The idea of spirits lingering here on earth can be found through many civilizations thousands of years prior to us. So it's not a new concept. We've just kind of like made an entertainment uh, culture out of it. Mm -hmm. So are ghosts real? I don't, I don't think in the way that we think. When we think of ghosts, we think of somebody died and their spirit is just lingering. It's like in the in-between. It hasn't moved on. So I think this book is the plumb line for truth. And one of the things that the Bible teaches is to be absent from the body, is to be present with Jesus. It teaches that um, when we die, there seems to be some sense of immediacy to our soul going to its final destination. Uh, the soul is a very real concept. It's not just like, you know, spiritual jargon. It's a very real thing, biblically speaking. And the Bible's pretty clear that when our physical bodies die, our soul goes somewhere. Mm-hmm. But never is it described as just kind of lingering here on earth until God sorts something out. Like, oh, I missed one. Sorry. Let me get like, it's just never described that way. And therefore, I think this would go back to some sort of demonic activity, mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they're human spirits just lingering in the afterlife that got caught in the in between. I, I would I would put it more in the camp of I think this is somehow demonic activity. But but then there's this whole question of so wait a minute though like why would demons like there's this huge cosmic battle going on angels and demons are fighting. There's this really interesting story in, in the book of Daniel where Daniel is praying, and then all of a sudden this angel shows up in front of him, and he's like, oh, sorry, I'm late, dude. I was just in a battle with the prince of Persia. Like, there, there's, this, there's this, these battles happening that we don't see, and in this great cosmic realm between good and evil, light and darkness, we know that God will win, but but souls are on the line. And to me, it's kind of like, why would a demon take, in the midst of this, heavy and important battle take time out of their day to masquerade as someone from some era that's not ours <laughs> dressed in some uniform that is antiquated and then like slam a door upstairs and just like give you a funny or creepy or scary story to tell your friends like why would they do that I don't know do you I mean I, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. have the answer but I don't think it's some like lingering human spirit that just can't find its way somewhere Mediums who claim to talk mm-hmm. to spirits i mean there there's mm-hmm. there's some hairy stuff there, but mm-hmm. i yeah i I think a lot of that is is involved with darkness and demonic activity um, we're also assuming we're also assuming that like every single demon out there is on the same page of the plan and agenda, and like what if some of them have just gone rogue and like well I'm just going to do my own thing, and some of them have um Uh, like teasing spirits or fickle spirits or or nature or whatever and decide I'm I'm just going to play around with humans. Like basically my point is, um, and this will lead us to strategy of of the demons, like what is the strategy going on in the demonic realm? And so there's a couple of things I wanted to point out is a couple of things the Bible tells us is that in the demonic realm, this like overlap here, right? We have spirits that are at work in the world we live in that we cannot see. Um, A couple of things the Bible says is, One of the strategies is to blind the minds of people who don't believe in Jesus to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We know this clearly to be one of the things that demons do, that Satan does, which is if I can keep them blinded, if I can make Christianity seem so dumb, so illogical, so ridiculous, so superstitious, so like, come on, man, that's so outdated. That's not how smart people operate. Like if I can just keep them blinded, and I would even include in that Part of being blinded is beginning to see demonic activity as lighthearted entertainment, Mm -hmm. Um, like paying to go see it as entertainment, like in Hollywood movies, Mm -hmm. stuff, stuff like that. I think the strategy is, hey, based on this culture, what works for them to keep them distracted and blinded to the truth of the gospel? And if part of that is masquerading as spirits from different eras, if that keeps us blinded, like, oh, the gospel can't be real because, look, I saw a ghost. Obviously, that person died and didn't go anywhere, so this can't be real. Like, if that's part of the strategy, okay. Like, I think that's how they're going to operate. And then 1 Peter 5.8, Peter's writing, he says, look, be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary, that's Satan. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. I don't know if you guys have ever done research on how lions hunt, but they typically don't, like charge into a strong pack. This is this is the defense of zebras. They all have these stripes that when they stand together in a clump, they just blend together and a lion can't pinpoint the weakest one. But it's when the zebra or the youngest one gets isolated that all of a sudden it's like, oh, now they stand out. And I, I think our enemy, the adversary, tries to isolate our emotions or our mind or whatever to, to, to kind of pull us out of the pack of healthy thought or or Um, biblical truth and then when we're isolated without community we've pulled away from people we've kind of shut out our friends we don't want to hear truth we don't want to be held accountable in those moments man he's like seeking to devour you and that can come through a variety of ways demonic activity included so i think that's part of the strategy and i think ghosts could tuck into that but it's trickier than we're going to be able to answer in 10 minutes so (laughs) give me grace give me grace does that make sense anybody three of you yeah thank you to him. the rest of you, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I told you my tank was on E. I I hope this you're is doing our... great. No, you're doing great. All right, Tommy, are you good? Where is Tommy, he? you good? Tom- Tommy, he's yeah. not sure. What's All happening? right, dude, that's okay, man. Hey, <laughs> thumbs up. I'll take it. Tommy, my main encourager, leave me hanging on that, but that's okay, buddy. Next time.
1: All right, you had <laughs> you had a next question that also goes in line with many that have come in.
0: Ah, uh, me too, buddy. You me can relate.
1: Too. So, can demons
0: <laughs> go ahead, more?
1: Can demons target Christians, demons and in that same Christians. realm, does possession still happen? Do yes. we see that today?
0: Yes. yes, 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 yes. Can demons target Christians? Great question. And possession—what is that about? All right, so let's let's. We live in a realm where spiritual beings are interacting with physical beings. We feel their effects but don't see them always, but sometimes we do. And one of the things the Bible teaches is that angels, angels, like uh, good ones, (laughs) have made themselves known to people by taking on the form of humans. We don't know if that's a temporary thing. We don't know if that, like, drains them. We don't know. Mm -hmm. But there's story after story in the Old Testament. Abraham hosts some angels. He sits down and, like, eats a meal with them. The author of Hebrews tells us to be hospitable to strangers because in doing so, you might show hospitality to an angel unbeknownst to you. Might be an angel knocking on your door. So make sure you take care of like, um, Peter is in jail, uh, in the book of Acts, maybe chapter eight ish, Peter is in jail and an angel busts him out of prison. And Peter goes to this house, knocks on the door, girl comes to the door, looks, and then leaves him hanging, goes back inside and says, ah, don't worry about it, it's just Peter's angel. It's just the angel that watches over Peter. And so we, we have many biblical stories of how angels reveal themselves in a knowable way mm-hmm. that look like humans. Um, I think logically it would stand to reason. Demons are fallen angels. They can do the same. And so we know that there is some degree of physicality they can take, whether it's in appearance, but also in action. Guys, I'm going to go there. I apologize for going here and and not talking about it whatsoever. But one of the most mysterious stories in the entire Bible to me is in the book of Genesis, chapter 6. And Genesis, chapter 6, describes angels, the fallen angels. When they joined the rebellion, they were on earth. They saw human women, physical women, as desirable And had relations with them, and then the offspring were like these hybrid giant warriors who claimed to have divine wisdom, called the Nephilim. This is Genesis chapter 6, verse 4. Very bizarre things going on in the Old Testament, admittedly. But my point in even bringing that up is, so angels seem to, or the fallen angels at that point, seem to have some degree of being able to do physical things. Like, how do you impregnate a woman if you don't have the ability to be physical, um, with your, your body? Did that happen post-fall? Like, There's just so many questions around this. But my point of bringing all that up is um, we live in a spiritual realm where, or we live in a realm where spiritual beings interact with physical beings, usually unbeknownst to us behind the scenes, but every now and then they do show up. One of the ways they show up is through possession. And so sometimes these evil spirits will take up residence in a human vessel. The question might be, well, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, are we okay? Like, yo, fam, like, I don't want <laughs> to be possessed. I don't either. So I think Christians, those who say Jesus is my Lord, I follow him, um, I follow Yahweh, one of the promises of the Bible that's repeated over and over and over again is that we have been filled with the Spirit of the living god the entire presence of god is within us this theme of us being a dwelling place for the spirit goes all the way through the bible um, god dwelling in the garden god dwelling in the tabernacle god dwelling in the temple jesus says he is the temple the new testament calls us temples god's presence is in his people for those who believe in jesus and therefore christians i do not believe can be possessed by a demonic lesser inferior spirit when we have the spirit of god in us we are we are victorious and more powerful than they Um, but it doesn't mean you can't be messed with a great example of this would be the book of job in the old testament job is a strong believer in god and job is physically messed with by satan and so just because we believe in god doesn't mean we're immune to the works of evil in this world but i don't think it means we can be possessed um I've got a few different stories of some interactions with demons I've had over the years. Or, I'm sorry, demon-possessed people. Um, and due to time, and honestly, I think it would <laughs> raise a lot more questions. We're just not going to go there. Um, Maybe some nightmares. I mean, there's been some weird stuff, yeah. And, and I, I know of people who have been called to do exorcisms, and, and they've come back and told me the stories. And it's like, yo, dude, like, yo. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not going to go there. I, I I just want to say that for those who are filled with the Spirit of God, I don't think you can be possessed or overtaken by a lesser, inferior spirit. Uh, we have the most powerful spirit, and it's a spirit of light. Um, and we don't need to fear the darkness. Um, even though we're not immune to their presence and being messed with or, or whatever, and that can manifest in different ways, mentally, emotionally, physically, but... Um, we have a more powerful spirit and therefore we have ways to conquer them. One, one thing I will share quickly is this, uh, a good friend of mine, I think I've shared the story before, uh, you actually reminded me of it this week, but a good friend of mine, when he was a kid, uh, his families were missionaries in a country overseas and they moved into a home in this village and my buddy, when he was a kid, started seeing demons at night. They, they would come to mess with him every single night and as you can imagine, like, He's a kid, probably in elementary school, maybe close to middle school. He was terrified. He mm-hmm. was like, oh, my gosh. Like, there's these gremlin-looking things hmm. talking to me and messing with me every night. And so he would tell his parents about it. And his parents began to ask around. And the villagers were like, oh, yeah, <laughs> our bad. We forgot to tell you the house you live in huh. belonged to the witch doctor before he moved. Um, so there's probably some lingering darkness. <laughs> I was like, yo, dude, that should have shown up on Zillow. Should've let but me know. All right, like, fam, Okay. <laughs> And uh, so anyway, his parents taught him the truth of God's word, that the spirit is more powerful than the darkness. And when these demons come and mess with you, I want you to say to them, um, like, Satan, you have no power over me. I'll squash your head as if I'm stepping on an ant. And so this little boy, uh, when, when these demons would come at night, they would begin to mess with him, and he would say, Satan, you have no power over me. I'll, I'll step on your head like an ant. I'll squash your head like an ant. And, uh, and they stop messing with him. Um, we have authority mm-hmm. in the name of Jesus, power by the spirit of Jesus, um, over the dark uh, spirits of this world um, because Jesus has the final authority. And so we don't need to fear them. Uh, But we also don't need to be foolish and naive about the fact that they are real and they exist and they have an agenda. And it is to disrupt God's good creation, mess with us, blind us, prey on us. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I don't think we can be possessed. Yeah. That's good. Yeah.
1: So I want you to touch more about on Jesus. Flat Earth. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe in a minute. But Jesus being inside of us. Because there was a question about is Jesus Christ really inside of me? Because that sounds whack. Yeah. it does sound crazy. Hey, hey, it I sounds crazy. So is Jesus Christ really inside I love of the me?
0: honesty. Do you know that the government, I mean, they've released a lot Tell of me. stuff about aliens over the past they couple have. years. They have. COVID hit. And everyone's attention was on COVID <laughs> and all sorts of like, oh man, is this whole thing like, you know, the pandemic and blah, blah, blah. Like everyone's <laughs> attention was on this thing and the government knew it too they were like oh if we are going to release confidential information about extraterrestrial beings now's the time so 2020 man they were slipping out all sorts (laughs) of stuff about like yeah we've had aliens like and no one even picked it up because everyone's so focused on this other thing um yeah but that's not the question okay um (laughs) is jesus inside of us because that sounds whack uh i mean The obvious answer, like you're asking a pastor who believes the word (laughs) of God. So, yes, is is my simple answer, is Mm -hmm. Jesus inside of us. But let me me meet you where you're at and agree that that does sound whack. And you Mm -hmm. know why it sounds whack? Because that truth is almost, it is too good to be true, and yet it's true. Um, When you read the Genesis account, the way that Genesis is written is that God all-powerful being who is love and light itself created everything we know could have easily easily kind of like when you have a little ant colony in your room in the in the plexiglass you know between two pieces of plexiglass and you can watch them like where god could have easily created it and been like oh, i'm dipping y'all i'll come back like once a year hey christmas is gonna be lit okay he could have easily done that and yet didn't and one of the things the bible teaches very clearly is that god ...settled in to his creation, his spirit settled into his creation to be with his people. That's Genesis 1. Like, the message of the Bible is God's spirit has always desired to be with his people. We messed it up by joining the rebellion. Yeah. But the Bible, time and time and time again, talks about God's spirit dwelling with his people. God's spirit dwelling with his people. And when Jesus comes in the New Testament, God in the flesh... He spends a few years with with these men and women, and one of the last things that he tells them, this is John 14, one of the last things he tells them is, I'm sending another. And the disciples are like, but we want you. And and Jesus is actually teaching that, that this other, that we call the spirit, this is the better system. Like in other words... In other words, this isn't like second best. This isn't like oh, first string quarterback got injured. Let's uh, who do we got? Third string. Okay, let's put him in. Like Jesus is not teaching that way. Jesus is teaching. I've set this thing up so that you'll receive the Spirit, and this is better. It's better for you that I go. This is the better system. And I think sometimes we um, like I'll talk to Christians and they'll, and they'll be like, man, I would have loved to be alive during the Old Testament. Can you imagine if you were able to witness like? The ten plagues that hit Egypt and God leading his people out of slavery and coming to the Red Sea and God splits the waters and then you go across and God makes bread rain from heaven and people are thirsty and he makes water come from rocks and people are hungry and he just brings quail along so they can eat meat and people, he's protecting their health and their clothes don't tatter and, and he's like giving them blessing after blessing after, oh man, I would have loved, oh, on Moses and the Ten command, could you imagine? Like, yeah, that would have been amazing. What that generation experienced, though, is God working around and among them. But in the Old Testament, this is one of the biggest differences of Old and New Testament. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God came on you. and the New Testament, the Spirit of God comes in you. It's a whole different thing. Jesus, I've heard, I've heard Christians say, ah, could you, if I could just go back to any time, I'd go and I'd live with Jesus. I'd go and I'd live in first century Jerusalem and, like, walk around with Jesus. And I was like, hey, that'd be great. I think that'd be awesome. But the system of having the Spirit in us is better than anything that has preceded before Mm -hmm. with a little asterisk here, except perfect creation in the garden. Mm -hmm. Like, Like, this is the best system we have. To have the spirit in us i know that truth seems too good to be true because Mm -hmm. it is but god's spirit dwelling with his people and now in his people has always been a strong theme of the bible i i think that it seems whack because it is too good to be true but i also think that most christians have not even scratched the surface of the potential of Mm -hmm. what that could mean for our spirituality and our humanity if we actually began to take that truth serious, like, I have the spirit in me, what does that mean? And then to begin to discover those type of things. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. It's a good question.
1: Um, spiritual realm. Realm? Realm. Realm. Realm? What's the word? Realm? I don't know. <laughs> Moving on. Okay. And spiri- <laughs> Let's skip that question. <laughs> no, no, no. And spiritual warfare. So how much does spiritual warfare have an effect on my daily life?
0: Every day, all day.
1: When I sin, yes. is there a demon forcing me to oh, do that? That's a great question.
0: That's a great question. No. Uh, no. So, again, we, <laughs> I just want to keep beating this drum because it's so important to understand. We live in a world, we live in a realm that is Physical. And we look around and we see tangible, physical, and yet spiritual beings are at work and at play within those realms. Okay. We joined the rebellion back in Genesis chapter 3. Mm-hmm. Now you may say, oh, I wasn't there. Okay, I, <laughs> I know. But but the effect of that rebellion is, is upon you. Like we are born as rebels to a holy God. And one of the things that I taught on in the book of James, hello, is this chapter one, verse 12. Actually, let me say verse 13. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. The desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. One of the things that James teaches, and this is not the only place in the Bible, but because we're going through the letter, it's very fresh on my mind. One of the things that James teaches is when you sin, it's not... Just because there's some demon behind the scenes with like a puppeteering thing and you're like, oh, no, I don't want to click that on my computer. Oh, man, demon. Like it's not, that's not what's going on. Because you're a rebel, you have a desire to rebel against a holy God. And you have these desires in you that, that, that lure you into making rebellious decisions. This is part of the curse that Adam and Eve brought into the world. So that's part of it. You have sinful desires in you, okay? That, like, you, you are not um, immune to desiring to rebel against the holy God. That's part of it. The other part of it is, yes, there are spiritual beings at work behind the scenes that are enticing and luring you into certain traps at times. But here's the deal. One of the things that's pretty clear in the scriptures is no one, no demon, no, no nothing is forcing you into the sin like they may set some traps they may like really make it very hard for you they may put some temptation in front of you but ultimately the decision to engage in those things or pursue those things comes down to you you have sinful desires in you that are luring you and so i think a healthy balance is this when it comes because you can easily walk out of here and from the walk uh the walk from these doors to your car like you you can be like demons like you can just get get it in your head that there's this like everywhere I think that's an unhealthy approach. Um, like the saying, there's not a demon under every bush. Like in other words, when something in your life goes wrong, like tomorrow is Monday when you're driving to school and uh, and you're running a few minutes late and and a red light hits and you're like, oh, I rebuke the demon that turned that light red. Marty, late. It's like, all right, dude, I, I don't think so. Um, so I think just... Assigning everything as demonic activity is putting way too much glory on them. Mm -hmm. But pretending like there's no activity is very naive and foolish. Mm -hmm. Clearly there is. It's what the Bible teaches. We live in a realm of overlap. We live in a realm that has spiritual beings at work behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Okay. We feel their effects. We don't always see them, but they are at work. Um, If you're wondering, like, Maddie D., is there a great resource for this? I'll tell you. My first exposure to understanding, better understanding the workings of the demonic realm. It's a fictional book, admittedly. It's it's like not it's not real, but it's a pretty good um, pretty good insight into what might be happening. Uh, C.S. Lewis, one of the best thinkers of our time, wrote a book called *The Screwtape Letters*. Yes, it's one sir. Of them. And uh, which sounds like a really like bad mm-hmm. book, like. Uh, screw tape, like um, <laughs> he wrote a he wrote a book called The Screw Tape Letters, and the book is a fictional. Hear me, it's fictional, but it's like a what if account of a superior demon is training this underling demon who happens to be his nephew, and their assignment is this gentleman who lives in Britain, and the superior demon is writing letters. His name's Screw Tape. Uh, he's writing letters. Helping this young and inexperienced demon figure out strategy of, oh, okay, you're having a hard time tempting him in this way. This is what you need to do. You need to come at it like this because humans and especially men of his age are likely to succumb to this kind of pressure. And so then the the younger demon will write back and say, hey, here's how it went. I did what you said. Interesting. It took a turn. And the and, and so it's just this back and forth where C.S. Lewis sits down and says, you know, what if demons did have a network of communication? And what if they were strategizing on specific humans? And what if, like, it's just a really cool book. It's a really cool take. Um, so if you've never like engaged in this kind of thinking before, I think that's a great starting point, especially because it's fictional and it's kind of like, lighthearted. Uh, it's not lighthearted. It's kind of like because it's fictional, you can kind of approach it with a sense of like, okay, this yes. isn't a real person, right? Yes. So, Alright, let's do one more question and then I've got, I've got like a closing idea. That's great. So Anytime they submit
1: it, a question, it flies me back up to the top. Oh, so, well. um, yes. Like the best <laughs> Don't submit one. one. Make it the best one on there. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, let's see. Y'all making
0: it fly Aliens around.
1: I mean, there are those questions because you mentioned them. Is there an ice wall that's them. preventing
0: us from discovering the other 13 continents? Like, that's the question an on everyone's
1: wall? mind. ice wall?
0: Is there a hole in Antarctica where these, like, giant things live? <laughs> and the dude from World War II discovered it and then was mysteriously killed. Like, <laughs> right. Some of you guys okay. are like, man, he knows a lot about this conspiracy theory <laughs> for someone who keeps making fun of him. <laughs>
1: okay. I want it to be good. I mean, they're all good. Okay. Yeah.
0: Lay it on me, man. <laughs>
1: As believers, yeah. what do we believe about those who can talk to the other realm and how much they say and have to tell to us?
0: Yeah. Mediums. Mediums. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't can engage you? in it. Don't do it.
1: There's scripture on that. Yes. I know. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm wanting There's you like to clear tell directive us. in scripture. Yes.
0: Like, hey, there seems to be. There seems to be. Is that
1: real? The mediums?
0: Ah, this is, so I brought it up earlier, and I was like, ah, it's kind of tricky. And Here we are. There seems to be uh, some people with some ability to dip into the spiritual realm and be given insight, answers, data, knowledge mm-hmm. about things they should have no business knowing. And they make these grand claims, like, I can speak to the other side, have you ever lost anyone, would you like to have one final conversation with them, those type of things. They've made a, you know, uh, they've made a lot of money, Uh, one of the greatest productions ever made, Ghost, Patrick Swayze, Demi Moore, (laughs) Whoopi, (laughs) Goldberg, okay, (laughs) Whoopi is a medium in that movie, Um, and... uh, And she makes a living out of conning people Mm -hmm. uh, to believe that she's real. And then all of a sudden it is real and uh, in the movie. Anyway, um, there seem to be some people who have some unique abilities, um, but the scriptures teach, explicitly teach, clearly teach, do not engage in that. Do not dabble in that. don't, uh, Don't go to those people. Do not try to seek the other, the spiritual realm. Um, and there's a there's a story in the Old Testament where a medium does bring up a dead spirit, and they they are conversing. But the Scripture is clear: for Christians, do not do it. Mm-hmm. There, there's an evil at work that you don't understand. There, there's some kind of demonic power at play that you do not understand. Do not dabble in this. Do not go to this. I'm gonna throw in a few. I'm a, I'm a few. I'm gonna throw a, a few things into this category. But anytime we try to like access spirits to get answers or like help us or whatever i think we are looking at the spirit of god within us and saying you don't provide answers that i want you don't provide wisdom that i need um i'm i'm going to go to kind of the dark spirits i would throw things into this category like ouija boards which is an entire game Mm -hmm. where you ask a question to spirits and then let it spell out what like that is dabbling mm-hmm. with spirits. Do not do that. Like you, you are, you're, you're just like knocking <laughs> on a door that you don't understand the power behind. And um, and so I think one of the one of the questions that flows out of this then this is kind of like one of the questions I had. I don't know if I sent it as a slide, but it's That's a good correct. one. Is like, what is the appropriate level of interaction Christians should have with mm-hmm. the darkness? Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is like. I have a personal conviction. This is just Maddie D's conviction. I'm not trying to guilt trip anybody in this room. This is just Maddie D. You hear me? Maddie okay. D. Okay, it's just Maddie D. This is not a guilt trip. I have a personal conviction. I don't watch, like, I don't watch movies that highlight uh, paranormal activity or horror movies like Slash Them Up, Kill Them, Saul 17. I just, don't, I just don't dabble with it, man. Um, For me personally, that's a personal conviction. But I know Christians, Jesus-loving, God-fearing Christians who are like, I love those movies. I'm like, all right, fam. (laughs) Like, to me, that's in a category of uh, kind of a Romans 14, like, I'm convicted about it. You're not. Let's agree to disagree on that. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are some clear things, like the Ouija board, or one time I was up in Montreat, North Carolina, Rachel Baylor. I was up in Montreat. On the campus, Montreat College, on Halloween. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I'm trying to be dramatic. You know, showmanship. Thank you. I was walking across the campus on a dark evening. The air was crisp. That morning, that morning, a crow landed on my window seal and woke me up. Creepy. That evening, I walked across the campus. Nope. It was dark, an ill-lit area. I look to my right, and I see not one, but eight hooded figures standing in a circle, candles on the ground, pentagram drawn, star on the ground, and they were having a seance on Halloween. And I'm like, nope. Not fam. And I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no I ain't, I ain't dabbling man i ain't dabbling nope jesus like pray for their souls do a work that only you can do i'm not doing it um i just don't i i yeah. just think you got to be careful man i think sometimes we put things in a category of like hollywood fiction fun games and it's like i don't think you're you understand you are knocking on a door of darkness now it may impact you differently than it impacts someone else um, and what I mean by that is, I don't know if JJ is in here tonight, but no. I was talking to JJ earlier in the week about this. You know how sometimes different people have different propensities or sensitivities to, to different things? Like mm-hmm. some people might have a proclivity towards alcohol, and other people wouldn't. And, and those people have to have a self-awareness to understand, i got to be very careful with this. Mm-hmm. When someone else might be like, oh, it doesn't tempt me like that. I think, I think that's true of a lot of things, and I think it's true of like certain dark elements. There are some people... You got to be self-aware that you knock on this door and it's going to affect you, man. Like mm-hmm. you, you, you just don't understand what you're inviting in. Other people, like I'm thinking of a friend who can watch horror movies and kind of mm-hmm. walk out fine. Other people, it, they just don't have that natural bent towards those things and it might affect them differently. You got to be self-aware. You got to understand you're, you're flirting with some dark things. Why? Because we live in a world... That's not just physical, it's spiritual, and there are spiritual beings at play that are desperately trying to do everything they can to disrupt the goodness God has created. Blind minds of unbelievers pull mm-hmm. us away from biblical truth and prey on us um, to isolate us from the pack. So you, you just got to be smart with that stuff. So great question. <clears throat> um, last thing I want to end on is hope. I want to end on hope tonight because if we don't, I think you could walk out of here being <laughs> like, oh, all is lost, you know. Um, there's this great story of this minister. I think his last name is Wigglesworth or something like that. I got I to gotta double check that. <laughs> There's this great story, and it's circulated around forever, and I hope it's true. I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's like it's a story about him, but he's dead now, and we can't oh, ask him, hey, yeah. did that really happen? But the story goes, he came home one night, it was a long time ago, but he came home one night, opened the door, walks in, kind of doing his normal routine, corner of his eye catches someone, looks up, and sees Satan himself sitting in a chair. Hmm. And he goes, oh, it's just you. What a relief. And he goes upstairs and sleeps like a rock. And I love the story because it illustrates, like, that dude was a man so full of faith that he was startled by something. That he deemed to be Lucifer himself. And upon knowing who it was, ah,
1: uh, it's you. just you.
0: Man, don't scare me like that. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I gotta get some sleep. Like, yeah. I think we, we have to understand the power in us is so much more superior. The spirit in us is so much more superior. The light in us is so mm-hmm. much more superior. So here's the hope I wanna leave you guys with. John writes in one of his letters, says, First uh, John chapter 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them for he, referring to God, the spirit of God in you, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world, talking about the spirit of Satan or the spirit of darkness that impacts the world. John points us to this truth, that the spirit of God who's in you is greater than he, the spirit of Satan who is in the world. All right. So we have this hope that we are filled with a spirit who is greater. Jesus taught, John 16, 33. I've said these things to you so that you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In the context of John 16, Jesus isn't necessarily talking about demons, but he is talking about the brokenness of the world, how the world has been disrupted and corrupted and corroded and distorted, and he has overcome that, and in him we have peace because he is in us. Um we experience the curse of sin when adam and eve sinned adam was uh, received a punishment for that sin and one of the things god said is adam now you will work the land and it will no longer be fertile but but it will produce thorns and thistles and so thorns became the image of the curse of sin and when Jesus went to the cross, mm. the crown that was placed upon his head was a crown of thorns. In other words, the image of the curse of sin was put on him. The Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin uh, so that we might have righteousness, his righteousness. And, uh, and so what we see is Jesus becomes the curse, dies, and then comes back um, as a sign. The, the grave has been defeated. Death has been overcome. Darkness has no power. Like, we are on the winning team. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Satan is defeated, not yet destroyed, but we are on the winning team. And uh, we have power uh, over darkness because we have the light in us. We have peace in us. So that's the hope, the hope of the gospel. So, Thanks, Matt. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Right? All right. Cool. Yes.